really easy to like put rainbows and sprinkles on everything and make it look like everything was okay. When frankly, everything was not okay. I did not know where I was going, what I should be doing, which could be my next hello, job. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. I'm Dr. Jaime G. Ragoza, a life coach, psychologist, and your host. Join me on a journey to inspire and transform ordinary lives into something special. Here, we celebrate the unicorns, those who choose not to follow the ordinary conventional path, but rather chase after their dreams and choose the path less taken, making them truly unique. Together, we'll explore powerful life coaching techniques and hear from special guests who embody the spirit of unicorns in their own way. What are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finding the Unicorn in You. Today, I have a person that grew up in fundamentalist Christianity. He's had an interesting road when it came to education and career. He began college as a piano major, then transitioned into accounting, and then MBA in finance. He now works in technology and innovation for an international oil and gas company. He will tell you so much more about his background and has a unique story to tell today. So without further ado, please welcome James Bow. Hi. You covered the really highlights and the intro. I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian home. I would say the one good thing was is like we were one of the few families that, yeah, we went to this church that had very strict standards and no this, no women in pants. You imagine just how strict the standards were. But we went home and our family wasn't quite as rigid as the church. But at the same time, we certainly heard all the same messages in church. So essentially homosexuals are the same thing as pedophiles and all of those kind of messages that will really mess with your head when you're a little kid trying to figure yourself out. I grew up in that environment starting like junior high, started going to Christian schools. That, so then I got to hear those messages every day. And then graduated from high school, went off to college. During all of that, I thought I was really starting to realize that, okay, I'm not like the other kids. I know I knew it for a long time, but, but I still wasn't really ready to deal with that aspect of my life. It was really easy to just compartmentalize and okay, you're a student, you should be in school, get good grades, all of that sort of thing. I got out of school and after I graduated, I was working for a year and it's, that's when it's like, okay, now you finish school. Now you have to deal with this shit. I started to have to deal with it head on. And then I decided, no, let me delay this difficult path I have to make. Let me just go to grad school. So then I went to graduate school at Ohio State and I got my MBA there. And it wasn't until after I graduated from there and really started a career in the energy industry that I realized, okay. I can't keep kicking this can down the road. I can't keep living a compartmentalized life. So that's when I, I dealt with it, figured out how that my sexuality fit with my faith or didn't fit with my faith and uh, got comfortable with myself, came out, had my first boyfriend. And I'd say it was an interesting journey just because I thought once I come out, oh, okay, I'm done with the healing process. Now, no, that's just the beginning. Didn't really realize that. There was that much healing that needed to take place or kind of growth that needed to happen until probably about seven, eight years ago. Just went through any number of great and big calamities. The things that happened to you that kind of make you start to reevaluate your life. So big industry downturn. There was a layoff at work. I was in a long-term relationship at the time. I didn't realize how toxic it was for me. All of those things came together and that relationship ended. So I thought, what the hell am I going to do with the rest of my life? 
what, where's this life going? Realizing that I'm living this life, but I'm not the protagonist in my own story. So it just sent me down a path of trying to figure out, okay, who am I in all this? How do I become the protagonist in my own story? And how are some of these messages I grew up with still living inside of me? Yeah, so I'd say that probably the last five to six years have just been navigating all of that. And now I feel like I've finally got to the point where, like, okay, I've dealt with all of that and I've gotten on the other side. And now I do feel like I'm running my own life. I'm my authentic self now. Yeah, I just say that was the biggest message that I would take from that is, again, coming out is really just the beginning of the journey. There's a lot of stuff that we absorb as kids that we think that we put it behind us just because we came out and we don't. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know it can be very difficult coming out. Like personally for me, it was a difficult process. I know we met through LinkedIn and that's one of the things that attracted me towards wanting to contact you is how open you were and you were posting things about him. Were there any hurdles or obstacles that you went through as you came out and got to that level of comfort that you are in now? Yeah, I'm pretty good at kind of just throwing in, oh, my partner and I, and make sure I use like a he pronoun or something like that just to kind of get it out and get it over with. The, the biggest process or hurdle I had to figure out is how my belief system at the time, which I don't have any of those belief systems anymore, but at the time, how do I manage this belief system that tells me I'm a horrible, wretched person? for being this way, even though I've not done anything in this book that says it's bad or anything like that. And so I just kind of had to navigate that. And I think it was just a matter of getting to a point where I had to like resolve how I felt about the Bible before I could really manage myself. And just the more that I reflected on some of the stuff I read in the Bible, the, the Old Testament, God is a vindictive, bloody, huh, person. If you see the way he managed through the Old Testament, just that's not someone I would want to emulate. That's not someone I would want to be my God. So it's like, okay, either parts of it are true or parts are not. Some people can somehow manage to see things as myth or not myth. I got to the point where I just, okay, it's an interesting book through history. It really doesn't reflect on my own values. And, but that, that took longer than my coming out period to get to that point. But I got to the point where I'm like, okay, this can't be mad. This is so natural for me. How can something so natural be wrong? That was a journey and a process for sure. Yeah, I completely get you because for me, I grew up Catholic and it was really hard for me to juggle being gay and knowing whether or not I was going to be accepted with my family. And then in my church, in my church, there was all about sin and the good, good versus evil. And so if you were gay, you were essentially bad. So there's always that black and white like division between Am, am I wrong for being me or is it like, am, am I okay for being me? So it was very complicated for me. So I definitely understand. That's the world I grew up in. Being, there were black and white answers for everything. And it's really hard to get out of that binary thinking about everything in your life. It took me 20 years out of that to really feel like I'm, it's not my natural instinct to either put people in this bucket or that bucket or good or bad. And being able to see nuance and people and my experiences, that's that a, a long time to develop. And I just personally find it sad when I see some people that I grew up with after all these years and still see them stuck in that very kind of binary way of thinking about things, whether 
their politics or whether it's any number of things. It's just they want to put things in the good back of good buckets or bad buckets. I get it. It's hard because like it took me a long time to be okay for being gay. So it was really a challenge of me learning how to be authentic and how to just truly present myself as me no matter what area of my life it was. But it wasn't always like that. Even before I really got to know who I was and I actually accepted myself, I ended up kind of molding myself and doing those like, you know, lowering your voice and trying to appear masculine and straight amongst everybody else because I didn't want people to start talking about me. I'm in this course right now called Authentic Leader Class. It's a training class trained for developing leadership skills in LGBT people. The first kind of workshop that we had was around the three P's. And uh, the three P's are perfectionism, pretending, and the third one, which I think you were just describing is people pleasing. And the people pleasing thing is quite nefarious. And you don't have to grow up as a gay kid to be a people pleaser. I can look around my office and see lots of people pleasers. And um, that was, that's something that's hard to do. It, it takes a lot of internal work to get the other side of people pleasing. And back when I was going through my little midlife crisis, which I like to call it that, um, I went to go see a therapist and I remember our second session, he kept throwing around these terms like, oh, you give away your power. You're giving away your power for this or that. And what does that mean? It didn't make sense to me at the time. Finally, at the very end of the session, he just threw out the term. He referred to me being codependent. And I had an idea of what codependency was. That was really different than it is. And I'm like, oh, I'm a loner. I can do things on my own. I don't rely on other people. But it's really more closely related to people-pleasing, where the people that you love and the people that are in your life, you get in, almost enmeshed with them. And it's hard to understand what I like and what they like because I like what they like and not really having a strong sense of yourself and what your likes and what you're just trying to constantly help the other person and maybe even sacrifice your own need for the others. But so what was funny at the end of that session, my, one of my therapists called me codependent. I remember just, I stood up straight in my chair. I'm like, what's he talking about? I just wanted to argue with him, but our time was out. And I left and I would have dinner with my partner and I said, I can't believe what my therapist just said to me. He thinks I'm codependent. And he looks at me across the table and he says, well, of course you are. And, I, and he said, who am I? And then we have this whole discussion. He was the one who actually helped me understand even what, what this term really even means. But yeah, it's really this kind of, it gets to your, back to your point about inward validation versus, versus external validation. And as I was recovering from my codependency. I even noticed times at work. And the one thing that's interesting when you're trying to heal from something like that or get to the other side of it, that's a process too. It just, you don't give a switch. I found that I would notice it after the fact. I would notice like I, would, I was doing this for the wrong reasons or saying yes for the wrong reasons or something like that. And then you know, the next day I realized, oh, I really didn't want to do that. Why did I say yes? And I realized I wasn't um, being present with myself and I was more externally pleasing versus internally pleasing. I mean, even I look at most of the jobs that I've done in the first almost 20 years or more of my career. It's like I came out of school with this MBA in finance. Oh, he's good with numbers. 
which I am, and he can build economic models, which I can, and oh, he's good in spreadsheets, which I was, and it just got this instant reinforcement. This is what you should do the whole time. If I spend another five minutes in this spreadsheet, I'm going to throw my computer across the room. Not enough self-awareness to realize, yes, this is what I'm training, so I'm good at, but that doesn't mean I like to do it. I think a lot of that is that just people pleasing or just reinforcement. Oh, because you're good at it and people keep telling you you're good at it. You just keep doing it. God, if I were able to become a little bit more self-aware 15 years ago, I'd be on a completely different path, but I am there now or I want to be, it's just taken me a long time. Before I ask you my last question, I am curious on some things, taking a leadership course on, you know, being an LGBT leader. So how has that been for you being an, a person who now can be a leader as also LGBT? How is it that process with your staff and what do you do to like help them like included? And I feel to start with kind of the course itself. I think what's been really good about it is I had already gone through and done most of the internal work. So it was more of like uh, a reinforcement of what I learned about myself, but it's more, the course was more in the context of, um, work related. So it just shined a light on a couple of areas where maybe some of these coping skills are still showing up in the way I show up at work that I would hadn't even quite realized for instance. I think I've talked about at the beginning about the three Ps, people pleasing, which we talked a lot about, um, perfectionism and pretending. And I think the perfectionism, the one thing that I thought about is that I have this thought in my head as myself not being a perfectionist because I generally don't like to do all the detail work. I don't like to spend four hours in a spreadsheet and make it perfect. I like to come up with the ideas and the framework and let other people the the details. So I thought of myself, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm actually don't like doing those things. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, perfectionism can show up in different ways. Perfectionism for me shows up as I get a task or I'm working, trying to develop some sort of strategy. So it's like completely wide open and I don't know quite what it looks like at the end. So it's really easy for me to just do on it and not get much work done and wait till the last minute and do all the work. And really what I realized is that it's just my perfectionism showing up in a different way because I don't know exactly what I need to do. It like hampers me from actually beginning the work. And I realized it, probably in the past, I would have looked at myself and say, I'm just not disciplined. I, I would give myself negative qualities. I'm not disciplined. When it's really, no, this is the coping skill that's just showing up a different way in me because I'm perfectionist. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like at the end. It keeps me from moving forward. I procrastinate. So I was naming the wrong thing. It's not that I'm undisciplined. It's just that it's perfectionism coming up in a different, completely different way. And then like, for instance, even in the, the pretending, the third P, I've been out at work for over 20 years, something like that. It's not been an issue for me. So I, it's really easy to just think, oh, pretending is pretending like you're straight or just doing it when you only bringing it up when you're comfortable or something like that. And I don't really fall into that category. I didn't think of the pretending really impacted me that much. But then I think about back when I was going through my little kind of midlife crisis, I was pretending to everyone, including myself, that I was okay. Um, it was really easy to say, oh, I did really well. I saved some money. I can take some time off. Yeah, that relationship was bad. I needed to get away from it. So I'm in a much better place now. It was just really easy to like put rainbows and sprinkles on everything and make it look like 
everything was okay. When frankly, everything was not okay. I did not know where I was going, what I should be doing, what's going to be my next job. I, I was, what does all this mean for me? So I was actually not in a good place, but I pretended like I was even to myself. And it was only like a few years later, once I really got back on a track and work wise and have another fantastic partner and all my life is going great. And I was able to re reflect back. Wow. I was really delusional. <laughs> I thought I was okay. I thought I was in good charge of things, but no, I wasn't. I think it's just really easy to see how pretending shows up in ways like that. In other ways, pretending like you're okay, pretending like you can do it all on your own, but when you could really use some help, that sort of those, those pretending ways can show up in, in many different ways. But I think that's what I'm, what I'm learning from doing this workshop. I'm kind of, I'm noticing the nuances of how some of these coping things from growing up gay show up in my life now, even though I think, oh, I've already managed that, but it, you know, it tweaks itself and shows up in another little way. As a leader, any insecurities you have amplify once you're in a leadership position, because then everybody gets to see them prickling into the way you manage. Yeah. So it's really important for us to do that inner work as leaders to really see what did we grow up as, what are the common barriers we had, and how can we tackle them to improve ourselves and not let it affect the staff that we supervise. Yeah, and the other thing I was going to say, that one of the kind of breakthroughs that I realized a few years ago too, is that I was always one that got good grades. I didn't get into trouble, all that kind of stuff. But just one of my coping skills was don't get too noticed. Because if they notice you, they might notice something's different about you. So just be noticed for the good things. Don't be noticed for any of the bad things. And then get, all of that just carries over into your work life. Even if you're out, you still have developed that coping mechanism that you'll sit in the meeting and you won't contribute until you think you have something really important to say. But then you notice all oh, your colleagues aren't doing that. Your colleagues are just, it's a conversation when we're working on things. And I'm sitting there in the meeting thinking, I'll only say something when I have something really important to say. Then next thing you know, you're basically a wallflower in work meetings. And that's going to hold you back. That's not leadership skills. A leadership skill is not sitting around waiting for your turn to talk. That was one of the things that I certainly had to learn that. And it, once I realized I was doing it, it took a little while, but I transitioned out of it pretty quick. Now I'm much more willing to just speak up in a meeting and speak my mind. And I'm not sitting there waiting for my turn to hide and stuff like that it really does limit us from progressing so i'm glad that you were able to see that for yourself and and listeners i hope that if you're if you notice that you're doing the thing you stop and really challenge yourself to go out there and you have to have people accept you for the good and the bad and then i keep going and just do that inner work now talking about inner mm -hmm. work my last question in your opinion what mm -hmm. Do people need to do so that they can tap into that inner unicorn and really tap into that full potential? It's realizing that all these coping mechanisms that protected you when you were young, that kept you safe and kept you not noticed, those coping skills do not work for you now as you're an adult. It's going to show up in negative ways in your relationships. It's going to show up in negative ways at work and it takes work to identify those. I'm always, I'm not one of those people that mantra is not going to change my perspective. Just no good, no bad vibes or any of those kinds of things. Or, oh, I'm going to just set a good routine. I'm just going to decide I'm going to do that. That never worked for me. It's like I needed to understand what was keeping me from doing what I really wanted to do. And 
in doing that kind of work. Where I made the most progress was when I got laid off and took some time off. I read furiously books and not books about, um, you know, being gay. It was books by people like Gabor Mate and people like Stair Perel. I listened to lots of podcasts, Dare's Therapist. That's a great column and a podcast now. Esther Farrell also has a great podcast. And the one thing you'll learn a lot, you can learn a lot about yourself through the reflection of others. And just by hearing other people tell their stories and hear someone who's trained, coached them through. My, my therapy that I did, I didn't do it for that long, but it was helpful. But I would say just listening in on the therapy of others and reading through, from people who do this for a living and hearing those stories, I tend to resonate much more with stories and hearing those stories and seeing those qualities in myself. Once I can see that, oh, that does live in me, I, it's much easier for me to change. At least that's what works for me. And I would just encourage people to get really curious about other people and read some really interesting books and podcasts and just look for yourself in those stories. I love that advice. And I think a lot of us can really use that in our lives. As we conclude this interview, um, if somebody wants to get in contact with you or to talk to you, how can they do so? I would say probably just my LinkedIn page, which I think you have a link to James Bow at LinkedIn. For listeners, I will be posting the link to his LinkedIn on the show notes so you can actually read about it. And you, if you actually go to my website at richconsulting.com, um, when this episode, you'll actually see James on the Unicorn Wall of Fame and you'll see a blog with everything that he talked about today, along with the links there as well. So thank you, James, so much for this time. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. I truly appreciate you listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite platform. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing. Until next time, this is Dr. Jaime G. Regoza signing off.